episode is sponsored by Cheeky Zebra Cards. And I bloody love Cheeky Zebra Cards. You've probably seen me post them quite a few times just because Sasha, who runs CheekyZebra.com, is just lovely and funny and has been one of my followers since literally like day one when I had about three followers. And she has always supported me massively. And I really want us to all support her back, not just because she's brilliant, but because Cheeky Zebra Cards are brilliant. They are real life, sarcastic, dry, witty cards for everything from your friend getting ghosted to midlife crises, back to birthdays and anniversaries and whatever else. You can print your messages inside and send it directly to the recipient. So it's just basically a lazy way of doing something nice. The quality is insane and they come in really cute packaging. They are available from cheekyzebra.com. But if you don't want one right now, just follow cheekyzebra.com which is actually cheeky zebra d-o-t-c-o-m on instagram so that you can just be reminded of them uh when you do need to send a card and also the page is funny and it's cute and i think you'll really like it so yeah cheekyzebra.com okay welcome to the la 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 let me explain podcast this week's theme is badass women those of you who follow me on Instagram will have seen my stories on International Women's Day. I did a whole big post about women who had inspired me. And I thought, you know what? Seeing as I know two of them, I might as well get them in for a podcast about badass inspirational women. So in the studio today, I have the beautiful, amazing, gorgeous Natasha Knight, otherwise known as Tash, uh, who inspires me because she's just so... I know Natasha, I've known you for years from from a Mm. variety of different gyms and I've attended many of your fitness classes and she has just got the biggest energy of anyone. Like I can be feeling so shit like, what is life? And then I'll go into one of your classes and I come out like, fucking life is amazing. And, And you're quite open in your classes as well about the struggles you've had and I just, I know you've been there and with the music you play as well lets me know that you are, <laughs> you are one of, you are a bit of me. So Natasha, welcome you inspirational, you. wonderful woman. Thank you. Uh, and you can find her at, what is it? Blessed Tash. At, Blessed Tasha. At Blessed Tasha. At Blessed Tasha. Yeah, on Insta. Uh, so I can't tell you how much I love you and how much amazing positive Aww. energy you bring to my life. Because we've got a bit closer recently as well. We yeah. talk a bit more yeah. and we've gone kind of deep about different things. So you Definitely. are really special to me. And we also have somebody else who's incredibly special and inspirational to me. And that is Miss Nicola Dady. Going to call you Nicks or Nikki throughout the podcast. And... I, I've known Nicola for a very long time. Most of my life, we grew grew up around similar area, similar people, and uh, we have known each other kind of on and off for for many years. But you have really inspired me because uh, what year was it that that you were diagnosed with cancer? Two thousand and ten. Two thousand and ten. Was diagnosed with what kind of cancer did you have? Bladder and kidney. Bladder and kidney cancer. And it was really serious and it was really aggressive, wasn't it? And you literally were pretty much on death's door. Am I right? Yeah. 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 I was there. You have turned it into such a positive because not only did you survive that, you bounced, but you look so healthy. Like it's really (laughs) difficult to believe that you ever, your body ever went through that level of trauma. But you turned it into something so positive because you realized that actually the, the people that it hit, 
almost equally as much as you were your children mm-hmm. uh, and that there was I very think it little... probably hit them worse yeah. than me to be honest yeah I can imagine because it's they were how old were they at that time um at the time three and seven so my daughter was seven and my son was three oh, so young yeah and yeah. you realized that there was not that great support out there for them there really wasn't it was the fact of that like I was getting all this support and everyone was fussing around me and they really like I, I would just look at my kids and just just realize that they were suffering, man. Like I didn't know how much they would understand, but I know that they missed me when I was in hospital a lot. They were getting passed around to different family members and it's usually just me and them. Mm. So um, then they started to have behavioral problems and I just couldn't even focus on my own health because I was just so concerned about them. Mm. So so you went on and you founded. Don't forget the kids. Don't forget the kids. Yeah. And that's so incredible. So it's a charity where people who um, have children who are who are going through cancer Mm -hmm. and who have children, uh, they can access support and your children can access support from Don't Forget the Kids. Um, And what kind of stuff do you offer to people there? So basically everything I've done with my own kids, because I went on a search for stuff for my kids for support for them and we couldn't find any. So I had to create my own way of supporting my kids and also with like like um, an 80% chance they gave me that I wasn't going to make it. I needed to let my kids know who I were, who I was. Mm. And I wanted them to have certain values of mine. And there was a lot of stuff that I wanted them to know and remember about me. So I went on this quest of like doing like scrapbooks and family trees and like lots of different kind of creative stuff to help them have a log of who I was. So with that, I took everything what I done so all the books that I used I created a book called um our love uh, our book of love and feelings so where we could write to each other because sometimes it's really hard to talk about how you feel especially when something like that's going on and so I I done that with my kids and then I created that so that other people not even just people going through cancer but anyone yeah because I bought that that it's amazing it's available on Amazon Mm -hmm. uh and it's like a blank book where you can write messages to each other and you just leave the book it's like your family book so I might write you know today I fell in love with you more because you were so kind to that little child or whatever Mm -hmm. like you know I might write sorry I pissed you pissed you off like (laughs) I'm having a bad day mum's tired you know I'm I'm not feeling very well blah 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 or they will say I think it's unfair that you made me tidy up and not my brother do you know what I mean so it's a lovely idea and Tash one of the reasons that Tash really inspires me actually is because Tash lost her mum to cancer in September and is I don't I don't think you feel this way but you are dealing with it so beautifully really I feel like like I'm falling I I don't feel that at all everyone says that Mm. and I think like I don't know I just feel like and I know it's really common this kind of wave but I just feel that um oh god I should try harder oh god but then that has been my narrative in for my whole life life. Mm. I should try harder but it's my mum. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I can't... Like, today I was just sitting in the cafe at the gym, stuffing my face, and then Facebook delivered a beautiful body blow of my mum moving into a flat where she ended up dying in, and that moment, and just it mm. just happened that one of the girls saw it and came over, and she, her mum had recently died, and we kind of... She said, come on, you know, because I can get lost in the grief. Mm-hmm. So I'm learning to put it into place. But the way I deal with it is talking about it. Yeah. Openly, with no no holds barred, yeah. everything. 
Yeah, and that's yeah. what I, I really respect about you is that you will come into a, a class and you'll just go, this is how I feel today. I feel broken and I feel like I can't do this, but I'm going to do it. Mm. And we're going to yeah. bring the energy together. And you know what? You guys need to work harder yeah. because I need you to work yeah, harder. It. And it, um, it is, I don't know how I would deal with that. Thank God my mum is still here. I've never experienced <clears throat> yeah. that kind of loss or gone through that kind of bereavement on that level which I count myself very lucky, but you are, you're just bossing it. You And, and that's not to say that you have to be strong when no, you go through bereavement. I don't or, feel like, like I do, I'm very much like, um, <clears throat> over the years I've done a lot of therapy <laughs> and a lot of workshops and groups and NA and everything and whatnot. But, so I'm used to talking yeah. and that's how I deal with it. And um, I blogged up until she died and I used to be quite popular on the scene for mm. videos, funny videos, and me just effing and blinding. Yeah. Because I consider myself very spiritual, but the flip side is the bitch in the car that's as I'm driving up the road. And so I'd blogged, and I blogged about my mum when her hair fell out. I used to buy her dodgy wigs and make her like, we had such a life, I took her everywhere. And then it just didn't get, it got really serious. Mm. And we still blogged. Even when it came back, we blogged and we blogged as much as we could. And we're going to try and put everything into. A video so three years start to finish but mm. she bossed it as you say mm. she absolutely did right till the end she was right sod she went right till the end and like and um yeah and it's that yeah. that drives me forward every time I think oh do you know what fuck this I can't do this because I am um, I I'm always looking for a way out sometimes I think about what I witnessed the, the endurance and I thought are you mm. kidding me what you can't get up and teach a couple of classes when she done that yeah come on yeah. and then when I get there and I look at everyone I think Christ and so many people because of what I talk about have come up to me and said this is what is getting me through and I'm like blimey mm. so therefore I'm in service and yeah. it's my responsibility to extend myself a little <clears> bit <throat> so thank you for saying that even mm. though I feel like you know, like a mess a lot of the time. Yeah. Thank you. Well, you mentioned there that you, you'd been through NA as part of like recovery and stuff. Yeah. So you've had, had your issues in, in, in the past mm. with addiction. Yeah. And that must be really tough that when addiction or drugs or whatever has been your coping mechanism in the past, then when you go through the worst thing in your life mm. to not have that to turn to that, like, that's difficult, isn't it? Yeah, I think like I didn't, I wasn't, I didn't go through the 12 steps at NA but I was like I'd go to if there was a meeting I'd be there if there was the opening of a crisp bag I'd be standing next to it you know <laughs> so like um you know through the raving years and everything and just over the years um I think with my background I've always been I've always looked for something to take the pain away yeah. from a young age and so it was a natural progression but like you said dealing with my mum and knowing you know first of all her getting cancer ovarian cancer um, and us being really like me being of a Buddhist persuasion thinking right I can turn this around mm -hmm. with mindset and I will manifest this not understanding that the greatest lesson would be the journey of death mm -hmm. because this isn't you know we're all we're all heading there we're not getting out of this alive are we so <laughs> so the greatest lesson and I sit there even crying thinking oh thanks mum but um yeah to not have but at that point, I would never have gone back to class A's. It's not my yeah. thing. I wouldn't have, you know, I was um, a weed smoker, but I have since knocked that on the head. head. Yeah, so, me too. Yeah, so. <laughs> well um, done. But like through the, through the mum days, I come out with, I remember I came out, when Urchie was dying, I was like, right, 
what I'm going to do is stop everything and just feel it. Mm. And then I was like, I just don't want to miss a thing. And then I was like, about 24 hours later, I was like, right, where's that bottle of wine? Where's that weed? Mm. (laughs) Where's that crack? Yeah. (laughs) um, But, you know, um, yeah, so, yeah, it was hard, but... It weren't, you know, it's not what you think it is every day. Yeah. It's like the gift that never stops giving. But, yeah, yeah. it was hard without that. Mm. But, yeah, I've got a bit of a background in addiction. Yeah. What is your coping mechanisms, Nick? Like, when you was going through all of your trauma, what? how did you get through? <laughs> <laughs> a little bit embarrassing. But I, so before I got sick, I, I really didn't allow myself pleasure. So <laughs> I was just like looking after the kids, cleaning, maybe going bingo every now and then. <laughs> and then when I got ill, I was like, okay, well, I've got to be able to, like, do everything that I wanted to do. That's always been in my mind that I've been procrastinating on. So I got addicted to doing stuff, like anything. Like, I I made a pact that I wasn't going to say no to anything. So I started, so I released my first book. I put on a poetry show. I had mad crazy sex. Like I was like, the first thing that I said to my friends, all my good friends know this is that I'm not going out with a dry vagina. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I was like, the first guy that says he wants some is going to, I'm going to do it. I'm going to get in there. It just so happens the first guy actually fell in love with him and ended up Mm. staying with him throughout the whole of the cancer journey. So yeah, so I just became addicted to, um, risk taking a positive yeah and and some negative but mainly positive just like living in the moment yeah basically that's, that's what amazing. got me through that's brilliant um so we have lots of questions i told the insta family that you guys were coming on and uh and i thought everybody would just be like oh tell me about how to be an inspirational woman but no fucking right out left field <laughs> the kind of questions that they wanted you guys to answer along with me but we'll just go with it um these are the burning questions that my followers have i don't know if we'll get through them all but we will try our best so as i always say at the start of these podcasts we are not doctors we are not therapists Mm -hmm. we are not professionals whatever we say to you as answers to these questions are just our opinions it's what we feel that we might do in this situation don't go off and do it and it or if you do go off and do it and it goes fucking wildly wrong you can't blame us yeah we're not taking any responsibility (laughs) responsibility yeah exactly for, for that so this is just personal opinions so the first question says how can you stop yourself from comparing yourself to your ex's new girlfriend when she's perfect Every view you have an experience of this, yeah. I think for me, every single when I was younger, every single ex, every ex girlfriend was better than me, was had something better to offer than me. Do you know what I mean? So, I'm trying to think back to what at the time my coping mechanism there wasn't one, it was just how can I make myself better? What more can I do to fix myself? I wasn't looking at you know, I wasn't looking at um, kind of, it was an aesthetic thing. How could I be prettier or how could I be slimmer or more curvy or this or that? But now, I don't know how I've transitioned, but I literally, I'm just in a place where this is me and I'm enough. Mm. And I don't know if it comes with I age. I think it comes with age, you know. I think it does come with yeah. age. But then also it's having a good grounding in self-esteem and just kind of knowing that you're worth 
something I don't know what do you think Nick? I think maybe I might be a little egotistical or maybe I was because I've never thought that any of my exes new girlfriends are better than me I'm always like <laughs> <laughs> okay that's all right so yeah. I'm still better <laughs> Um, but I think what it is, is just that when you, like you said, when you get to a certain stage, when you just love yourself, mm. you realize he's yeah. an ex for a reason and whoever yeah. he's with, mm. like, it doesn't matter who she is. Mm. Like, yeah. like you are worth it. And that's the reason why you're not with him. So good luck to them. Exactly that. I think as women, we're conditioned to be, to look to other women. I mean, but basically the media and patriarchal society is like divide and rule, isn't it? If you mm -hmm. make women hate each other, then mm, they can definitely. have more control over us. And the best way to make us hate each other is to mm. make us jealous of each other's looks and things that are beyond, completely mm -hmm. beyond our control. So I think it's a really natural thing for women to look at somebody else and go, oh, she's got better hair than me. Mm. Like I could look at both of you and pick out a hundred reasons why you're both yeah. better looking than I am. And, and, and we could do the same. And you yeah, could do the same. Definitely. Exactly. I could do the same with any woman and mm. and then I think that's like magnified if that person has then perceived to have something that you want mm. um it mm. just it makes you feel below doesn't it less than less like than. he's chosen her because she's prettier she's hotter she's younger she's slimmer but, the, but you what you have to keep realizing because it's a natural thing especially if you still love them so if you have an ex and you're still kind of in love with them but the relationship didn't work out and they're with somebody else it's always like you've got to think about your future and not like looking back like just think about all the shit he put you through and, yeah. and just understand and she's going through that so yeah. don't matter how pretty she is mm. she's going through that bullshit now not yeah. me Sorry. I mean if they're a complete and utter demon it's quite easy to yeah. feel like oh you can have him like mm -hmm. good luck to you like but if yeah, like if there's love there and actually you but don't want to let go. You might feel like um, he's a demon, but he's your demon. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, yes. <laughs> like yeah. I've been with him all these years. Yeah. And then you, because you, you don't know what's going on in their relationship, you start to think, well, it looks really good from the outside. Yeah. Maybe he's changed or maybe blah, blah, blah. But, you know, you just got to get over it and just keep focused on yourself and know why you let go. Definitely. And I think it's important to remember as well that just because you think somebody is perfect and this is not to be downtrodden on other women, but she she might, you know, have some hairy bum crack that yeah. can't, like, you know? Yeah, some stink Some stink batty. If you're not from London, that means her Stay anus on. smells. Yeah. But it's that thing, again, it is definitely, like, when I was younger, I had very low self-esteem. And um, But now... I really, I think, oh, I really celebrate women. What I've learned over the mm. years, and I learned this from older women in club toilets. Mm. I always used to remember going in a toilet and being made, when I was really young, so I started clubbing at like nine. nine. <laughs> 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 if you could see my face, you'd see one. Uh, yeah, I started clubbing really young and I used to think, all these old boilers in there being unfriendly. And I'd think, oh, you old bitches. And then now, whenever I'm out... And youngers come in. I always say, oh, my God, you look amazing. Mm. I love your outfit. When I was younger, I'd wear that, you know. So, yeah, you're really good at that. You always boost women. Oh, like, I love Women it. walk into Tasha's classes and she's like, look at your bum. Wow. And it's like, yeah, she yeah. does it to me. I'm like, oh. Yeah. And I'll spend the day feeling like really bum positive. But... <laughs> Um, yeah, so it's difficult, isn't yeah. it? Because we are like, I, and I definitely remember feeling that a lot more when I was younger, that whole yeah. feeling of like, oh, like, oh. I don't like that girl, mainly because I'm jealous of yeah. her and I feel mm. like her tits are better or her eyes are nicer or whatever. And I do think you're right, it comes with age when you start to feel really comfortable with yourself and you're just yeah. like, this is what it is. Yeah. And if someone doesn't like it, 
don't really give a fuck. But yeah, so so don't, like you say, don't look at the relationship, your ex with rose-tinted glasses. He was mm-hmm. a shit. Yeah. Their relationship might not be perfect just because it looks so on social media because that's a highlight reel. That's not really what's going on behind closed doors. And also she might not be perfect. Mm-hmm. And even if she is, then yeah, fucking good mm. on her. Like, good luck to celebrate her. perfect women. Yeah. I hope she feels perfect. I don't actually she probably think there's doesn't. anything... Um, like there's, I don't think there's it such perfect thing as a perfect yeah. woman or man. No, there's no. Such we thing. all have flaws naturally. Yeah, and what's attractive to one person is completely mm-hmm. unattractive to another, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, she's not perfect, and neither are you or we or anybody. Mm-hmm. And she's just got. A, I think stop looking at that relationship block it out yeah. don't look at it pictures of them on social media don't. that's what I do limit damage yeah. limitation yeah. it's like when when um like with me now I've I've made an active choice when my mum died or just before my mum died or I, I can't remember when it was but I stopped social media as hard as I was that was just overwhelming me it was mm. just overwhelming me and in the mornings the first thing I don't, I don't look at my phone for ages. I meditate, I pray, I do all my rituals in the morning. I give thanks. I'm like a lunatic going around the house. I drink 19 cups of coffee. I drink a lot of water in the morning. And then I'll go on social media. Yeah. I've limited my access. Mm. I block people that are talking out their ass. And, yeah, you know, majority of the fitness industry, I don't want to wake up to some geezer sticking a spinach leaf up my ass doing 100 <laughs> burpees. And, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's just bollocks. There's yeah. just so much chaff out there. And I think... For the youngers that are looking at it to, yeah, limit what you're, yeah. you're, you're mm-hmm. viewing and totally limit that. Agree. Totally. Totally. All right. The next question says, can you love two men at the same time, both with completely different qualities? I think, I, I see, th- there's this old saying, isn't there, where, where people say, you can't, if you fall in, oh, what's the fucking saying? I should have written it down. <laughs> Something like, if you fall in love with two people you can't have loved the first one very much or you would or you wouldn't have fallen in love with it they say it must catch (laughs) you it's really great quote (laughs) i definitely think that you can um i've experienced it but i haven't been in a relationship with two people but i've had when i was really young when i was about 16 i fell in love with someone it was like to me love at first sight he was amazing and we had like a kind of um on off relationship so we'd see each other every now and then but i always had this amazing love for him but then i was still able to fall in love with the next boyfriend and the next man and this has gone on throughout my whole life but there's always been that guy that oh do you still love him i still love him oh, yeah wow. like it's, is he still in your life he's still in my life but we don't um see each other very often mm. but whenever i do see him or i know i'm gonna see him i still get the butterflies I, like it's mad it's absolutely mm. crazy wow but, then but you've i've loved other to, people while I've, retaining yeah them. it's a different kind of love because i've I had agree. relationships yeah. with people and loved them but still no matter what this guy mm. is I still love him and I probably always will. Wow. Yeah, I agree with that because um, I do, at first I was thinking, nah, nah, you know, but no, you're right, actually, in retrospect, it's different kinds of loves. Yeah. And I've met someone when I was young and I loved them. And it, when I look back at it now, it was an immature kinds of love and we've still remained friends and everything. And I don't want to be with that person, but I have a deep respect and a deep, deep love for them. Mm. But that doesn't mean that I want him in my life. I really don't. I really don't all the time. I've, I'm in love with someone now who's just, the soul is so beautiful. It's just phenomenal. You know, he irritates the arse off me and on a daily and I question it. 
but this is grown up yeah love yeah and this is what i need and so but yeah i do i have a love for this person and but mind you i genuinely if i say i love you i love you mm-hmm. you know and i've got a love for humans so yeah but yeah I hear but there's difference isn't there yeah. between being in love and loving someone yeah. can you be actively fire burning passionately because because like you say love is just a kind of mm, ongoing yeah like but in love is that that, that kind of where uh, your family goes I, yeah. <laughs> yeah and you but also it makes you feel a bit kind of anxious but also a bit like you know it's yeah. a burning flame can you have that burning flame for two people at the same time um I don't know. I'd like to try. Hard enough trying to find I one. Can't, yeah, I can't even get a text back. She's fucking like two minutes at the same time. I fucking appreciate it, girl. Um, but maybe the whole thing of them having completely different qualities is like, I've always wanted that, like a Frankenstein man, like where I can take the qualities of, yeah, if I could yeah. take the qualities oh of God. all the different men that I've loved or thought I loved or whatever and put mm. them all together, mm. you'd have the perfect man, wouldn't you? Yeah, exactly. So I guess that's why polygamy works for some people. Like monogamy does not work for everybody. And that is why you could get, you can have a yeah. open relationship. If- I've, I've looked, well not I've looked at it, I've not been in that, but I was, what, there was a thing on TV, the other, there was a thing on Facebook I must have looked at and it was a woman and she had these two men. And I, and I thought, oh, okay, you know, like, you yeah. know, and then I watched it and I was like, and then this bit came out and the guy said, yeah, we occasionally have it off as well. And I was like, all right, okay. So, <laughs> No, you know, you can do what you like, but yeah. I, was, I was looking at all different models and I was thinking, hmm, I suppose, but I don't I don't think I could be in a polygamous situation. I could if it was me with two men, not if the, my boyfriends no. also wanted to go and have other girlfriends. Yeah, I'd I be like, no, no. Does, that doesn't work for me. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, afraid. I'm sorry. And also I wouldn't want to like lay in bed and have my two boyfriends, one on one side and one on the other. I'd find that all a bit... Yeah. Uh, a bit overwhelming, I think. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> I, I don't think... I don't want to sound judgy yeah. on anyone who's gonna in that, but... I mean, yeah. I might mean, be fun. <laughs> but I think... I don't think that... You know, like what you just said, that burning, fanny twitching mm. <clears throat> feeling. Yeah. I don't I don't personally think you can have that with... I mean, two people... Like, two people, I think. Like, yeah. You have that kind of animalistic, I'm going to rip your pants off. Is that love of, or lust, though? Well, I think it depends how deep the connection is, to yeah, be honest. Yeah, I agree. Because if you've got a really deep connection with someone, that feeling is more intensified than any lust that you feel. Yeah, definitely. But you can have lo- really strong, burning, passionate love and not even want to necessarily have sex with them. Yeah. If you're that way inclined, some people are asexual and can experience real, true, full-on love and have no sexual desire whatsoever. But for me, love and sex are quite yeah, intertwined. Me too. I've, I've yeah. never experienced the two without each other. And that's what I find so difficult is that even, not necessarily even searching for love, but searching for someone to potentially love. I feel like I'm even meeting men who I find really sexy and attractive, but they've got nothing fucking going on for them upstairs or ones that yeah. are, are, are great and intelligent and stimulate me mentally. But I don't want to sit on them. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I, I it's know. Really I hate that. How did you meet your man? Um, through the gym. Oh, I mean, really? I mean, through a friend, my one of my best friend's uncles just used to come to my classes and I was alone for ages. Yeah, December. I remember. Yeah, I just kind of locked off. And, um, and 
I was a workaholic. There was no room. I was. I just started set up my nutrition business and everything, and I was like full on and just like fuck off. And I'd be like, "You got to have big bollocks to come with me." And I was always giving it the Charlie Large and or all fur coat and no knickers, as they say. <laughs> and then like one of my um, like the guy used to come to my classes, and every week he'd go, "I've got someone who wants to chat to you," and I'd be like, "Piss off, Peter." And um, and then one day he done this. I hate when people do this. Yeah, someone's on the phone for you. <laughs> I mean, you think you. Bastard. And I just finished teaching. I was tidying up and I was all pumped and adrenalised. And I was like, hello. And then I heard this voice. I'm not joking. I heard his voice. And um, I thought, oh, my God. And for the first time in years, I went. Oh. Yeah. Anyway, so and then we went out for dinner and we've just been having going out for dinner. Oh, and, that's and so sometimes you've got to give those kind of things a chance. Yeah, I did. I went out for dinner and I thought, aye, aye, yeah. He paid. That was a good start. Yeah, she arrived in a car. Didn't try and move in on the first date. Didn't turn up a bag of weed and a bottle of V and Jack. And I didn't let him in. And then you know, make him into Story in my life. <laughs> and um, yeah, we just started um, dating. And I kind of took a risk. Mm. I took a risk. I did. And who would have known? Because it was three years we've been together. And then my mum got diagnosed. And then he has got heart failure. And he's like got a heart surgery coming oh, up shit. and um he like we had a few good months together and then he got really ill and he's still battling and he's kind of we've we're going through it now at the moment it's happening right now and so we had my mum I've had him his mum passed away oh so we're just waiting not waiting to live but waiting mm. for our time yeah but it's been this has been a massive learning curve about men mm. which may be another podcast but it was like it, it wasn't my usual my usual would have been like starting with that yeah shagging yeah. all guns blazing yeah. and then kind of getting into the love but it happened a different way for me this time I didn't have much choice in it I had to kind of take it slow and it had to you know yeah I mean don't to get me wrong organically we, we, we started off with like you know and yeah. then it kind of oh all right you might die if I shag you <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh. no no I mean I'm joking but like yeah so forgotten this no but yeah it's, it's it's interesting and i guess i mean you are you're about you're about 10 years older than me i'm 47 yeah. yeah exactly 10 years older than me and yeah. is he older than you then yeah he's 57 but oh, he wow. looks he's so but he's so young i mean everywhere we go i, I mean you, but you look young i'll leave it out you've got the body oh. of like a 12 year old in the face of a nan <laughs> i feel like shirley off his dentures you know <laughs> No, I think no you're really hot. Shirley, oh, no. yeah, sorry. Shout out, shells, but no. <laughs> yeah. I, I've, I think more Sarah Jessica Parker. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've had yeah. that before. I bet you get that a lot. No, it's That's only because Mary's curly today. So. No, you're gorgeous. Thank you. How long have you been single, Nick? <sighs> well, I was in a it's complicated situation <laughs> for, <laughs> for about a year, just over a year and a half. Wow. So, and that finished about three months ago, so... Um, are you single ready to tingle yeah i yeah. really am oh, fuck oh. me mate i'm gonna stop banging out about on about it because i believe in the law of attraction and i wonder if the fact that i have start i've never been more single than since i started all of this mm -hmm. like before that i could i could easily get texts back mm -hmm. i could easily fall in love with like fuck boys left right and center they were there available mm -hmm. and since this since i'm like publicly making a thing of going there's no man around who make me happy it's like tumbleweed. Mm. And I wonder if I, I maybe should just write a lying blog. Like I've met 15 amazing men and they're all, none of them will stop messaging me. And then maybe they'll all appear. 
I can manifest him. <laughs> but I think I'm manifesting the fucking deadest do, right now. Well, me too, man. Me too. Like, like we're gonna really. check, we switch it up. We'll talk about our husbands. We'll manifest them throughout this uh, podcast. All right. So I'm not sure that any of the three of us could relate that well to this next topic. Uh, quite the opposite, in fact. But we can certainly try and help. So this one says, I'm a 34-year-old single woman and I haven't had much experience. I can't seem to find the confidence to just go for it. Help. I'm assuming she's talking about sexual experience. Mm-hmm. So how would we... How do, If you've... I mean, first of all, actually, I don't think that not having that much experience is even that much of a oh barrier no. in terms of what, if you're asleep, if you're a heterosexual woman and you're sleeping with men, they kind of like that. It's not something yeah. you should be embarrassed about, unfortunately. They like the whole virginal concept. I think, like, if you get to know your own body and you know what you like in mm. yourself, then that can, and also love yourself. Like, if you love your body and you're not trying to hide it or you want to have sex in the dark or you're not anxious about how you feel you have a great experience no matter who you have sex with yeah you can make it good even if they're shit you can make it good do you know what I mean because you love yourself and as long as you're just just be confident in yourself and go with your feelings and how you're feeling and how your body feels and if someone's doing something and it doesn't feel comfortable don't be scared to say I don't like it that way yeah do you know what I mean mm, or yeah. show them what you do like yeah I think as well like when you like you said I think it's a good thing not a good thing but it's not a, you know it's a USP nowadays a unique selling point isn't it to say you know and to test someone you know, if, if you're just going to have a one night stand, it's different. But if you're meeting someone and you yeah. want to try and build with it and you want to, you know, I, I'm not one of these that says, oh, you should wait. I don't feel, yeah. if you feel like fucking fuck, if you don't, don't, you know. Yeah. And, um, but I think it's, like you said, being able to speak to them, look, this is my story. I've not yeah. had much experience. And if they're a decent human being and, you know, and he's, and he's that kind of man, woman, whatever, they all want to kind of mm-hmm. support you and like, Absolutely. and it's like a blank canvas, isn't it? Kind yeah. of, you can create your own perversions together yeah, and stuff exactly. like that. So yeah, it's easy to say, you know, oh, but it's true. If you know what you like and you've not got anything to hide and you can whip off your, and be like, you know, comfortable with yourself. Yeah. Then, yeah. I think that's, it's, you're, you're right. It's a bit of a sort of unique selling yeah. point. And own it. Like, yeah. don't ever feel ashamed yeah. that you don't have that much experience. Be like, yeah, I don't. Yeah. But wait until you find somebody who is going to respect that. And exactly. Take and that slowly it, with yeah. you. Yeah. And, and, and guide you through that in, mm. a, in a lovely way. Like, there is no shame in being 34 and not having had much experience. It's far better than being 34 like me and have had every fucking experience in the, <laughs> the fucking sun. I think, um, I think you hit the nail well, on neither the neither is better, you know. But. Well, yeah, equal. But, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think with anything... I'm a big fan of just owning it. Yeah. Same. You know, and if you kind of, yeah, you know, like, yeah. I'm, oh, be apologetic yeah, and ashamed. Sorry, yeah. sorry, my fan is so tight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Your small cock feels so Just to let you know that yeah. uh, sexual experience doesn't have an impact on the size of your vagina. Yeah, Disclaimer. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have a looser fanny the more people you've had sex with Natasha. Oh, no, no, no. But you know that kind of, yeah. <laughs> you know, oh, of course, yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, and, and and don't give away yourself to people who aren't going to respect that. Don't, I mean, you can go off and have one night stands and you can go out and mm. fuck, fuck boys if you want to as a rite of passage. But try to deal with only mature, grown up people who mm-hmm. are going to mm. just be like, yeah, that's cool. And also don't expect 
sex to be like porn because sex is not supposed mm, to be yeah. like porn. It's a total unrealistic mm. view. And and like Nick said, just go with you know, learn, play with yourself, masturbate, mm. know what your body likes, and then and then communicate and talk about mm-hmm. that in the bedroom. You don't have to be riding cowgirls, yeah, swinging off chandeliers, exactly. sticking your ass up in their fucking ear hole. Like you don't have to be doing <laughs> any of that stuff to be good in bed. You just have to be feeling it and yes. experiencing your own pleasure and, and giving them pleasure and you'll be fine. And also they might not be have that much experience as exactly. well. Exactly. Like sometimes you think that people will have a lot of experience, but sometimes they yeah. just they I, just I don't. agree. There's a lot of I mean I've you know, thinking back, I you know, there's a lot of men that I've been with that I've you know, we've talked about it as we've moved through the relationship and they're like, Yeah, you can like their insecurities come out. Yeah. Then. Yeah. And like I would say like I remember with um one guy like, I was thinking, my God, he's so confident. The underwear he had on, when he stripped off, and I thought, my God, how can he be confident in that blue roof? <laughs> you used to that. But he really, like, you know, and like, and I said to him, we were talking after we ended up in a relationship, and he was saying, yeah, I felt really intimidated by you, and, and I was shitting. I remember I really wanted him, and I was like, but but he was really, like, just masking mm. it. And I think, you're right. I think everyone, yeah, yeah, everyone, like, especially men, yeah. they don't know about how long they're going to last. Yeah, there's yeah. pressure, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. For yeah. them to perform like like, mm-hmm. like porn stars as well. Actually, that kind of moves nicely onto our next question, which is why are men so intimidated by strong, successful women? I'm trying to figure this oh, out. I mean, this how, is, yeah, um, well, it's... But it's draining, it's draining. Honestly, over this has been a real bugbear of mine. It's like, oh, the amount of um, relationships I've thought I was starting. And then it's kind of, they see the woman I am, and I am an alpha female, and I teach a certain way, and I'm, I fitted that stereotype in, you know, in Tottenham I grew up, and I was real like, rowdy, and I'd done all this, but that was my armour. And um, I've moved through all that now, but I just feel like I just felt men would come be attracted to me. And then as soon as we got home and indoors, they, it's like they turned into little pussy holes. Mm-hmm. It's like I had to wear the trousers. I had to mm. do all the, they got with a strong woman and they felt like, all right, you can finish the job of raising me now and you yeah. can do this. And, you know, and so that really, I'm really passionate about this. And I used to see this guy, who's just someone I used to bang on the side years ago and he was a right... I didn't want to be with him, but I used to think, oh, he's a god, he's a god. And he always used to say to me, don't ever dilute yourself, Tasha, you know, for these these weaker brothers and everything. But, yeah, I'm really, what is it? What is it yeah, about? I don't know. Yeah. I've actually been told, like, um, one of my exes told me, like, you demasculise me. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah, I've heard that. How do I demasculise you? Like, yeah. oh, you don't let me do things. I'm like, I'm not going to wait a week for you to take the rubbish out, Thank darling. you. <laughs> like, if it's... <laughs> I'm not going to say, can you decorate, babe? Can you fix this light, babe? And keep saying it. If yeah. you don't do it, I'm going to do it myself. Mm. That's just how I am. Thank like, you. And I think that for guys, he also told me this, that they need to feel needed. Mm. Yeah. Guys need to feel needed. Yeah. And if you're a strong, independent, mm. powerful woman, earning more money or becoming more successful, it makes them feel smaller. So they may go to somebody who is like, oh, babe, can you help me do yeah. this? Can you tie my shoes, babe? Well, there are clever little <sighs> tricks when you're mm-hmm. dating mm-hmm. That, that definitely do work, which is... Mm along those lines of um you know like if asking a guy to come and fix something or pretending that you don't know 
practice why sometimes we kind of put on this little act of, of a bit like I've done it before like mm. sometimes sort of pretended that I don't know something so that I can ask them so that they can feel like they've yeah. solved a fucking problem <laughs> <Yeah>. like <laughs> fuck that I can't be bothered with all that because I don't like that's, playing that's games that's not me being myself no, then no I, it only works in the early stages because otherwise then they figure out who the fuck I am and I definitely <laughs> didn't fucking not know the answer to that question. But a male friend has said that to me as well, that you're, he said, says it to me all the time, you're going to struggle to find somebody to fall in love with because you're too intelligent and you're too strong and you're too you're too independent and all of those kind of things to be able to find a man. I'm like, well, fuck, well, what are you saying to me? That my yeah. actual genuine personality is going to put off men. He's like, yeah, especially the kind of men that I like, which yeah. is true, mm-hmm. which is true. And I suppose I do need to branch out to a different kind of, kind of man. But yeah, I think there is, it, it does come from this whole ridiculous, like the way that men and women have been viewed in society from day one is that Mm. the man is the protector and the Mm. provider and the woman is the family maker and they like to fit into that role Mm. and they and i think it does do something to their ego if their woman is doing better and i think they do get insecure that perhaps she's going to leave them for Mm -hmm. someone better Mm -hmm. or that they can't you know I I, i don't know how we solve this i don't know what we can do but i don't think it's all men because i think there's certain real alpha men who are not if he feels like you're a strong and successful woman but he's stronger and more successful then i think you'll be all right yeah Yeah. but i think if there's any kind of power imbalance and but they're not then saying that i do know some really nice lovely men who are just in awe of their beautiful strong successful girlfriends yeah me too yeah my partner is lovely to me he's really like but we've had to and it's the type of men isn't it yes yeah You've had to get there, but it's it's true what you just said. It's so like, I I was raised by my mum, and um, my mum done everything and like she mended. I've watched I've watched my mum move washing machine when we lived in Barbados. I watched my mum. You know, I woke up at five one morning and I could hear all the chickens. I could hear this thumping, and my mum's out there with a big fat spliff, a pair of Wellingtons kicking a washing machine down a hill, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, she'd be hanging out of a tree with a machete, because no one would help her. Yeah. The amount of times she would like arrange for someone to come and do a bit of yard work for her, and they wouldn't fucking turn up, or they'd come round with a bottle of drink and think, you know, she was living in Barbados and she was on holiday, but you know, so. We watched, you know, we grew up in like um, a council flat and um, we had like bunk beds that were repaired more times than I care to remember and had polyester sheets and, you know, and my mum made our clothes a little bit. And so when I met someone, I was like, yeah, I'm not going to ask you 500 times to like put the bin out. Mm. I'm going to ask you once or I'm not going to, I hate having to keep asking. It Mm. really just makes me want to punch you in the face. (laughs) And it's like, and I think because... And like, and I say, and people like I've been told, oh, you emasculate people. Mm. But if you're like you say, if you're with someone, it's kind of cool with themselves, and they're a little bit grounded, yeah. and they can see that. Like, like with me, I said, I don't want to like even with my partner at the moment. I said, Leah, he said the other day, Leah, you'll be really pleased. I've done the hoovering for you. I said, you ain't because that's your shit on the floor. The same way, if you leave yeah. a skidder in my toilet the other day, <laughs> get your brush. Yeah. What are you doing? I think we've cracked the code, really, haven't we? Because the fact of the matter is not all men are intimidated by mm. strong, successful women. It's men who are actually deeply insecure with themselves, but mm-hmm. who put on that alpha male front. Mm. And uh, we shouldn't be fucking dating them because they need therapy. Although everyone <laughs> needs therapy. But, all right. 
let's uh, move on to the next question, which says, how do you stay motivated to go to the gym regularly when you're a lazy person? Become an instructor, then you have to. <laughs> You've got no choice. <laughs> yes. That must be so hard on them days when you're just like I, not feeling it. What yeah. do you, how do you get through that? I, I'm not as good as I used to be at it because that's not healthy. The way I used to be was relentless, but... Mm. Um, I don't know, because I've been on both sides. I mean, I came from... I remember being so depressed when I was younger. Just... And I think back to this person, and I try and get in my own head. When I see how much I... Not how, not how necessarily how many classes I teach, and how active I am as a person, and how, like, when I get in, I don't watch telly. Mm. I don't um, sit down much. I'm quiet... I do a lot of thinking in my head. I have anxiety, so there's this constant thing going on in my head. Um, for me, I it's part of my therapy training, mm. going to the gym. I've always worked out. I've, I've, I've had massive issues with weight gain, weight loss. Because you've lost a significant amount of weight, haven't you? Yeah, it, was, it, was, it wasn't a kind of quick fix kind of thing. I was just kind of... I knew all along that I wanted to be in fitness from years and years ago. If you look at pictures of me, I was always in leotards, but I wasn't actually doing anything. I was just in a fucking <laughs> leotard okay? with my leg in the air and I wore all the dance shoes, but I wasn't confident and I was slim. And then I put on weight. I was living in the Caribbean and I came back and I had trauma as a child and sexual abuse and whatnot. And then I come back and then I went to Greece to live and I came back and I was at my heaviest at about eight, 19 stone, 18 and a half stone. But, um, and then I just came back and I knew... That I, you know, I'd already trained to be an instructor at the age of 16. It was very different back in the day. I went to the University of East London and done a, an old school qualification. And then, but I didn't use it. I'd done a little bit, a few odds and sods, but nothing to the level I'm, do, I do now. Yeah. And then I came back to the UK after living in Greece for a bit. And um, I just kind of had nowhere to go. I got back with some prick that I'd been seeing. And, and then I ended and I moved back home and I started going to the gym every day and it was literally as my body started to change and also I was getting more man love mm. and I was like already <laughs> and um, then I started bonking someone in the gym so mm. I it, that's how it started I was like oh, I don't want to go to the gym every day yeah. <laughs> you know and um, and it just went from there but I don't necessarily think it was a healthy thing for me yeah because I was like well I don't want to go I don't want to go back to that feeling and because then I attached my self-worth to what I looked like from a young age. Mm. And um, I, I started losing weight and everything. And I, I went back into fitness and everything. And it's just, it's really hard to stay motivated yeah. with my clients. I'm, I'm really good at motivating for that hour. Yeah. But it's up to them. And mm. it's really, like I said, it's all mindset. And it is all mindset. Yeah. If you you're, can do you're, it. you're like me. You're, you're like me, which is that. I think we've got quite addictive personalities. Oh, absolutely. Do you think you've got an addictive personality in it? Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Um, so I've got quite an addictive personality. So if I love something, I just do it all the time. Me too. And you can't stop me. Yeah. And so I'm a gym addict. Yeah. I will say that loud yeah, and clear. Me too. I have been for many years since having my son, actually. Even before that, I did a bit of fitness. But then <laughs> since yeah. going through, I, I, I was quite big before I got pregnant. And then was really big after I was pregnant or big for me mm. and and big is beautiful if, yeah. if you embrace yourself yeah. like that me I don't I, I don't feel comfortable with weight on even now how I am at the moment I'm I'm not 
feeling comfortable but that's because I've now gone into I've given up smoking and given into this gone into this addiction to fucking eating yeah but I've never lost that gym thing yeah. and I have to go I mean you know I'm at the mm. gym six seven days a week yeah. and I train really hard so underneath all this fat I've got this really incredibly muscular body that's the thing but I'm just kind of I'm bordering obese I think at the moment I'm like bigger than i've been in a while i like because i'm i'm quite big as well i say i'm a 16 maybe 18 i don't know it depends on what i'm wearing Mm. but i've got massive boobs and a massive bum and i actually really really like it and you suit it because i've seen you slimmer yeah much slimmer and actually it feels like this is how you're meant to be i think so i think so but when you start feeling unhealthy and you can't walk up the stairs, that's, that's right. an issue. Yeah. So it's okay if you're happy with how you look. So yeah. I'm happy with how I look, but I'm not happy with how I feel. Right. Yeah. So I, yeah. 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 And so. as you get older as well, especially when you've been ill, you mm-hmm. start to think, ah, oh, this is different. And for me as well, I do not, this, you see me as the way I am and I'm, I'm muscular and everything, but I, for years, was a working instructor at a certain size. Mm. And I was thinking, fuck, you know, I train I was hard, you know, I was like full-time boxing, doing all kinds of CrossFit and whatnot. And the minute I went back to the Caribbean and I'm like, you can't, I'm like a child unattended at a party. I'm (laughs) drinking, eating, just not eating. Because I have, I'm a compulsive eater. That's an issue I battle with compulsive eating just to, there's an unmet need in me that's Mm. not being met. I'm Mm. in the process of dealing with it in a moment, but I'm just stuffing stuff on top of it. But when that goes away, if you've been training for years, your body that's underneath comes out. But this isn't a comfortable, this is a place of work for me, my Mm. body. Yeah. But like my partner sees me, sees me bigger when we go away because I kind of, out here and everything so it's 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 interesting isn't it the body positivity movement is really great because it teaches women that actually no matter what size you are you can be sexy and Mm -hmm. you can be beautiful and you are attractive and i think we're so conditioned to be like very skinny is unattractive very fat is unattractive Mm. the only acceptable is this bit in the between where you're like a size 10 flat stomach Mm. perfect tits you know although that changes over time Mm -hmm. because it used to be skinny with big tits Mm. now it's no tits big bump like you know different things according to the media but body positivity is really fantastic because it is just like actually it's not one size Mm. fits all beauty comes in every different Mm -hmm. shape but i also wonder if sometimes it's it's like going back to what you said about health, which is that I'm really trying to embrace myself at my current size. Mm. And I'm healthy in the sense that I train a lot, yeah. probably too much. I'm probably unhealthy in the sense that I don't have enough breaks from the gym because if I don't, my it's like a therapy for me. So yeah. that's what motivates me. I'm, I'm not really a lazy person, but even if I was, I know that on a day that I don't go to the gym, I don't feel as, exactly, as yeah. grounded or as healthy mentally as mm. I do when I do go to the gym. So that's what motivates me. But also body positivity movement makes me feel like actually it's okay for me to have this belly and I want to love this belly because mm-hmm. it's part of me. And I was in one of your classes actually not long ago and I was looking at myself in the mirror and I was seeing my arms swing and I was feeling really fat and I was actually looking at everyone else in the class and I was thinking, I'm the biggest person in here. I, I am without a doubt the most overweight person in this room. And I, I was having all this shit going through my head like this is horrible. I feel awful like, ugh. And then I thought, but I'm moving. I'm I'm doing deadlifts and I'm like, my body is serving me well and mm, I might not right. look how I want to look, but God, my body's moving beautifully. But conversely, the body positivity movement is also encouraging me <laughs> to just be like, yeah, I'm going to be fat. I don't care. And actually, is that really a great thing? Mm, 
don't really necessarily think it is like actually obesity is really unhealthy and it's a cancer cause but also as well people like i've had this discussion a lot of times and there are people that are really slim that but are really unhealthy mm. too. Oh, that's so it true. works both ways smoking and drinking it, and, exactly mm, yeah. and whatever else it works both Bad ways diet, like all yeah. the stuff that you're eating like you could somebody really slim could have really poor arteries yeah Do you get what i'm yeah, saying yeah. like it's I think that if you are healthy, that's the most thing that you should aim for and yeah. not really necessarily focus on how big or how small yeah. you are. Do you yeah. get what I mean? Yeah. I think for the laziness, I can 100% put my hands up to that because I have an addictive personality, so I will get hooked on something. So yeah. usually mine's is like dance classes. Oh. I go to like loads of different dance classes, salsa, jazz, kazumba, like all of that stuff. And then sometimes I'm like, oh, fuck it, I can't bother. And I just don't for months. Yeah. And then the last thing was hula hooping. I got completely addicted to hula hooping. I lost bag loads of weight doing hula hooping. And it just stopped and I looked at the hula hoops and I was like, oh, fuck that. Yeah. And and it's your mindset because yeah. when you're not feeling in a good place, you don't even want to put the music on. No. So you don't want to... You don't want to look at anyone yeah. that's exercising. Yeah. You just want to sit with your, your mates that are like, yeah, 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 yeah I don't want to... Like, exactly. You know, I don't want to yeah. your shit. But I think you have to just push through that because... You do. I, I was like, I've got about six hula hoops and I was like, right, I'm going to buy a new hula hoop. Maybe that will get me mm. hula hooping again. And it did. Mm. Yeah, I think that's actually a really good point, isn't it? It's like... Go out and get some really nice trainers or some leggings. That's what I did. I got my new top, my new leggings. I felt felt like a queen today. I didn't want to get out of bed. Then I thought, oh, I've got them shiny pants. I'm going to wear them. (laughs) (laughs) It makes a difference. Whatever it takes, regarding motivation and stuff like that. Like I've just, now I meditate. You can't stop me meditating. Mm. And yet I used that for years. I've been going, yes, I meditate. But I didn't. I was just, I'll sit there for about 10 seconds and go, right, that's that. But I literally get up and I've done the hundred odd days now without stopping. And and I think habit forming, even if you just walk around the block. But if you're in that place where you've just said, like, my job as a PT is like, is to deal with mindset. I'm not going to go around the houses and do quick fixes, get in here. Mm. But if you can just, or maybe get a friend that's going to go with you, not someone that will say, you know, like the other day. Yeah, that's a good yeah, idea. Or just saying, right, someone that you kind of, you all know the friends that are your friends, friends that are, you know, I've got friends that I know that, yeah, I'm going to go out and go clubbing. It's going to get absolutely lethal. It's going to be messy. And then I've got this other friend who's like my gym friend. And um, if she comes around on a Saturday, she might bring you know, some, something healthy yeah. where I've got other friends that I think, yeah, I'll find them because they're going to bring some Prosecco, yeah. some Lindor, or going to get yeah. a pizza, you know, <laughs> and I like a bit of balance. So I would recommend <clears throat> if you're the sort of person who likes a class, try and get to mm. a class and like something like Zumba, something that's really yeah. fun and you can act like an arse and dress up a little bit and shimmy on it or get a friend that will kind of, or, or, yeah, we'll yeah. speak to a gym instructor and someone that's down to earth that will that's not there just for their own ego that can yeah. actually say to you every time you come in, I'm going to keep an eye on you mm. and and mm. see so you you don't you start, I stand in the gym and I see these beautiful women coming walking in being directed like the other, a personal trainer the other day I won't mention who or what gym was very young this woman walked in you could tell she hadn't been in a gym before she was um, over middle way she had a long baggy t shirt on and a balconette bra. I mean, Christ. And so, so what did he do? Stuck her on a step 
in the middle of the gym and went and then done a squat jump, like jumped up, landed <sighs> and jumped down. She looked at him and me and my client, well, I was horrified. Me and my client were having a bit of a laugh and joke and everything. And I just wanted to pull her into the corner because mm. she just needed to be yeah. not in the middle of, a, mm-hmm. you know, an open gym floor yeah. with her baps flapping around. Yeah. And <laughs> we've lost her now. We'll never get her back oh, in the gym. We'll she never felt see so her. self-conscious. Yeah, yeah, and also in that particular day, all everyone in there, you know, that was happening to be in at that time of the gym was really, and you could just, it's just, it's not a healthy place I feel, sometimes yeah. I think going in with a plan as well is quite yeah. good so a class like you said is really good but also sometimes I use different videos or different apps yeah. like YouTube yeah. is really good I'll just lean the phone up against the mirror grab a couple of weights or yeah. kettlebells and I'll just do like if I walk in there sometimes left to my own devo- devices yeah. I'll just sit <clears> on a machine on my phone mm, wander yeah. about a bit you, you chat see, to a yeah. few people and you then see people yeah. just sitting there and or you see women coming in and thinking, oh, I'll just go on the cross trainer and go home. Yeah. Or I get a lot of women come up to me and say, oh, I just want to learn how to... And they've had a few inductions and that, but it's not very thorough. And it's not any diss to my colleagues and everything. But if you're a PT, mm. you're a PT for a reason because you've done the training. If you're a gym instructor, maybe you're just showing them or maybe they want more. But um, you're right, going in with a plan mm. is essential. It's really important. Yeah, Get or even going. ask, ask, yeah. ask a trainer. Someone, look at people that are chatty and that yeah. you feel comfy with and just pull them to one side and they'll help, hopefully. And remind yourself of how good you'll feel. You know, when you're sitting oh. there on the sofa and you're thinking, I cannot be asked, mm. but just know that this is all going to be over within an hour Get it and done. you'll be showered and then you'll be sitting back on your sofa but, feeling like, But you like, can even yeah. do it at home as well. Exactly, yeah. that's true. Like, you can do YouTube. My son, he puts me to shame. Like every single night he does yoga for 45 minutes so good. on YouTube. Yeah. Brilliant. He follows this lady but he's got that, he does it. that that thing now like mm. with me and my meditation I don't even think about it I get up I've got my rituals in the morning mm. first thing I'm like or oh, when I'm going to go to bed I go tone don't come in you know mm. I've got my bobble out on yeah. I start meditating and like with your son it's got to get done it's got to get yeah. done for the mindset as yeah. well it's important yeah that's really good that he's mm. into that that's amazing alright so the next question says is it a bad sign if a guy brings you to his mum's house for the first time and they both expect you to clean. He suggested several times that I clean his room. What? <laughs> I'm sorry to laugh. Yes. Yeah, I didn't mean to laugh. It was just... No. That's what happened. She went to the house and the mum said, as she was going in, so I asked her, because when she said this, I was like, What? And she said, as she was going in, as she was walking up the stairs, the mum said something like, so you're going to clean that room, yeah? And I don't know if it was like a, a joke. Oh, yeah, I'd say a joke. Yeah, that's, she said she didn't know. And then she said that several times when, when she was there, he made reference to her making his bed and cleaning his room and stuff. And she didn't know. She just said she found it a bit odd. It is odd. I, I, in my opinion, he's taking yeah. a piss, mate. Yeah. And Why is your mum getting in on it? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> get her in and then she can valet the yeah. car. <laughs> No, I'm sorry, but that's not. She's got to have been joking. Right. Yeah, but, but if he's still asking her. Making reference to it several times. Oh. Might have been a little test, like, is she going to be wifey material? Which oh, it doesn't make you wifey material awful. just because you cook and fucking clean. Exactly. And if he's getting you to do that now, can yeah. you imagine yeah. what it would oh be God, like with yeah. him? And that's a big red flag, yeah, in my opinion. Well. Being a wife is not. This should not yeah. include... I always say this, right? I am a feminist and I believe in equality. And I believe that if you want to cook and clean for your man because yeah. you love it and you love cleaning, 
do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do it till the cows come home. But if you actually really don't like cleaning and cooking, mm-hmm. you should not be expected to do that just because you are a woman, mm-hmm. just to fit into that gender role. Um, so, so it doesn't make you a bad feminist if you love cooking and cleaning. Do it, mm-hmm. but you don't. You shouldn't be expected to do that. I think the main answer to this one is that if you find something strange, if something sets you off and you're sitting here thinking, why is he asking me to yeah. think That's enough. Yeah. If your gut and your mind yeah. is going, ding, 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 this is a bit weird, that's enough. It doesn't matter whether we think it's weird. doesn't mm. matter if anyone else thinks it's weird. If your gut is saying, nah, listen to your gut. Because further down yeah. the line, you'll probably get... You know, you know. I hate saying it again, but as you get older again, it's that thing, isn't it? Like when I think back, the amount of red flags. Yes. But when you look back and you're like, hmm, interesting. Mm. But for, you know, it's that thing, yeah, if I really like him, but there's yeah. a red flag. If I really, and further down the line, yeah. you're there cleaning for the mum, the auntie, mm. the nanny, yeah. everyone. <laughs> yeah. All right. Next one says, I would love some advice on overcoming low self-esteem in terms of body image. I have some permanent scarring on my chest and back and I don't ever feel confident wearing strappy tops and it makes me and it makes it hard to be intimate with someone new. I was going to ask you, Nick, about because obviously going through. Did did you have chemo? Tell tell us a bit more about what you went through. Okay, so before I even had the cancer, I had um, a slip disc. And it, it caused the, um, the spinal column to become compressed. So I had to have three surgeries on my spine. So I've got massive scars on my back and both of my hips from where they took bone graft. That was from about the age of 16 up until I had my first son. I had my son. So that was um, 2006. So I've had back problems for a lot of years. And then after that, I ended up getting cancer. Like my my illnesses have just gone from really small to like massive, massive blood mm. clots and like loads of just bad luck with my health. And when I, so basically I was at my sister's wedding in Germany and I just went to the toilet and just saw loads of blood. And I knew that it wasn't my period because I was like, you know when you're mm. having a period. But I put a pad there anyway and thought just you know, just get on with the day. You're in Germany, enjoy the day. But the more I went toilet, the more it was happening and there mm. was nothing on the pad. So I knew it was we, that I, um, the blood was coming in my urine. So I, by the time I ended up getting back to London, I was severely anemic. And I went to the hospital and they said to me, oh, um, there's no infection or anything. Um, you're not anemic. So if you have if you still bleed like this in three days, then come back. Um, are you sure it's not your period? Like literally they sent me away. And um, I went back the same day um, twice and they sent me away. And then the third time I collapsed in the house and the ambulance had to come. I was in the bath and they came and took me back to the hospital. And I could hear them saying outside, um, well, you know, we can't we really warrant giving her this special scan and blah, blah, blah. But I had this really amazing guy and I'll, I'll always be forever grateful for him because he came in and he said to me, um, what do you think is wrong with you? And I said, I don't know, but there's something seriously wrong. I know that. Mm. And he said, okay, I'm going to give you the scan. And he got into a lot of trouble, but he gave me this scan, which identified a blockage inside my kidney, which they thought was a blood clot because I suffer from blood clots. So they started giving me blood thinners. And then I became anemic because I was losing so much blood every time I was weaning. I was in hospital for like five months. Um, they were doing all these tests and then eventually they were like, okay, um, it's just a swelling. You take these antibiotics and go home. 
And I'm like, but I'm still pissing blood. Like, this doesn't make any sense. Like, are you sure it's not cancer? And they're like, it's definitely not cancer. They've done biopsies and everything. Are you kidding me? Swear down. They was like, it's definitely, definitely not cancer. Like, take these antibiotics for six months and come back for a review. And I was like, I'm not happy with that. I want to be referred to another hospital. So they referred me to UCH and within two weeks, I would, they, they saw the images and the stuff that they'd taken from that hospital and they called me and they were like, you need to come in tomorrow. And I was like, they started to panic me because I was, I thought, as far as I thought, I was fine now, innit? They said it's definitely not cancer, so it can't be that mm. bad. And within five days, I was diagnosed with stage um, three and four kidney and bladder cancer. So in the first hospital, they didn't even recognise that there were multiple tumours in the bladder. So from the same images that the first hospital had seen, mm-hmm. UCH they, saw the same images and, and diagnosed you? No, well, they saw they the t- images and they knew because when I had to go in, they were like, you know, we are almost certain we know what it is, but we just want to take our own biopsies. So they went in, took the biopsies. I went to sleep. This was all within five days. They took the biopsies. When I woke up, somebody came and said to me, um, we need to um, figure out what to do with the disease in your bladder. And I was like, what? And he was like, well, we're you know um, almost 99% sure that you've got ca- um, cancer in the bladder and the kidney. And I, I was like, it's, no, it's not true. I didn't believe it because they told me that it wasn't in the other hospital. And I was like, I don't believe it because it would be in my urine. And they were like, it is in your urine. This is serious. Like, Fucking hell. I, I what just... was the first hospital out of interest? North, North Mid. Mid. I knew oh, you were going to say North I was about, Mid. Oh, North oh. Mid, man. Anyway. What did, can I just ask you, did they? Did you go back and say anything? I mean, what did they, yeah. what did they say? I when did you, say. Because yeah. okay, I was there for five months, I became, they knew me right. in that hospital. Yeah. So, so basically what happened was I had to focus on my health first. Yeah. So yeah. now I was in UCH because it was UCH that diagnosed mm. me. So now I was there. I had an amazing team of people. They called, um, because it's a very rare type of um, cancer as well. Um, It's called transitional cell carcinoma. And it basically affects the the lining of the bladder and inside the kidney. So, and it's usually found in like old men. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's very rare for uh, like a young woman like me to have this. How old were you at this time? 32. Fucking hell. I was diagnosed. I was 32. Yeah, so once they once they found out about it, they were saying to me the most um, chance that I have for survival is if they take out the bladder, the kidney, part of my um, bowel and my uterus and ovaries. And I was like, it's not going to happen. Like, I'm young. If there's no cancer in all those other organs, leave them alone and I will just try and fight it. Take the kidney out because you know it's gone like there's it's spreading it can't you know I won't be able to save that but I don't want to have to catheterize myself every day so for the rest of my life so just take the kidney and then I'll try and fight the rest and they were like well it's your body it's your choice and I was like well this is what I want to do and I did that and after they took the kidney out then I started chemo for I was on chemo for about three years but it wasn't, it was not, you know, the chemo where mm. all your hair and everything falls out. It was like directly into my bladder. Mm. So I would still have my hair thinned, a couple of my nails fell off and I would get a lot of nausea and vomiting and stuff like that. But it was more internal rather than mm. external. Mm. 
Um, but the massive thing was when they took my, they removed the kidney. And that was, I can't even explain to you the pain that I experienced. Like I was, I just remember being in intensive care and I had my friend with me. He was with me throughout the whole, the whole journey from when they told me it wasn't cancer to when they told me it was, Mm. he was there. So I just remember waking up in so much pain that I couldn't even cry because my whole body was just, even to breathe it hurt. Mm. It was, it was massive amounts of pain. And then I was in intensive care for a couple of days and then they put me on a ward and I was like I need to get up and start walking around my kids and it was challenging but I've got a massive scar I'll show you oh this one when I always should be vlogging instead of podcasting Oh, yeah. oh right, so she's got a scar right from sort of underneath your right tip yeah all the way down to your waist and how far did it go to your hip down to the hip Um, you've got a nice belly. Thanks, yeah. <laughs> um, wow. So, I, I mean, I couldn't, can imagine that your permanent scarring is more like a, more like a war, like a proudly worn yeah. fucking survival badge rather it is, than. It is, but not because you still, it's still like, it's getting used to having a new body. Mm. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But I am, I'm not ashamed of my scar. I'm not ashamed of none of my scars because they're all part of the journey. Mm. Like I've got, I've had cesareans. I've had many operations. I've got lots of scars all over my body. And to me, it's just like, this is who I am. Mm. And I need to love every part of me. So I didn't like to look at my scars at first and I didn't celebrate my scars and it didn't feel like, wow, this is, Mm. you know, these are amazing. These are my battle. It didn't feel Mm. like that at first. But over the years, I've come to realise that this is my journey and this is my story. And if I don't love myself, who's going to love me? Mm. And if somebody doesn't like my scarring, then they can fuck off. Yeah. Like, to be... That's it, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking the same regarding... But I suppose it's easy to say, ah, because I was thinking, ah, it's like a a battle cry. Mm. No matter what, I don't know this um, young lady that's mentioned the scarring... But from whenever they, from wherever they came, whether it be trauma, an attack, mm-hmm. anything, it's it's. I suppose it's about maybe again owning it Accepting. and saying, do you know what I've got this? And like yeah. with me, I always talk about my my back wings, and they're not as bad. I've had uh, my, you know, I had a lot of loose skin when I lost weight, and so obviously it's not a, a scarring. But I've got this thing now in the classes when I shake my arms yeah. and go, look at these bad boys, you know, and I've lifted weights and everything, and I always say that. You know, they, and but celebrate them because you can't them. do anything about it. Yeah, you can't. Not you this, can't. But not these. You yeah. can't. I mean, only try to it once the skin's gone. Yeah, it's gaffer tape. And, and uh, it is just about accepting yourself yeah. and going. The most important thing about me is not what I look like naked. Yeah, and I mean, because I've got a C-section scar, which looks like a fucking zigzag, and then I've got that shelf. Yeah. That you get after having a C-section, that kind of belly thing that never mm-hmm. goes away. It looks like a p- kind of pocket of, well, I don't know what, it's like a porch over my vagina <laughs> and my fanny. And um, yeah, and it does take a while. As much as people say to you, just mm. love yourself, love yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It can be really hard to love yourself. And I think it takes a long time of just going, fucking hell. And also sometimes like looking at men naked, like I've, I've, mm. I've slept with people who've got really bad spots all over their backs scars acne scars all over their bodies or whatever and i've never ever whilst being in that 
time, you know, intimate yeah. time ever thought, ooh, yuck, yeah. what's yeah. that scar? Yeah. Exactly. Or like, and then my first love, Ashley, he had this big kind of weird wart, massive wart <laughs> on his on his thigh. And it was right in your face if you were around that area doing whatever. And and I can imagine that he, and he did have some insecurities about it. And, you know, I can imagine that somebody with that would be thinking, oh, God, I don't want to get but naked. I loved him and yeah. I loved it. And, yeah. and so when you are dealing with the right people and getting naked in front of people who who love you and appreciate you and adore you, that scarring is just, it's, it's a sexy part of you, I exactly. think. Exactly. So I think we have to look at it like that. It's powerful what you said about, um, it's true, look at men sometimes, you know, and mm-hmm. stand and look. And, you know, you could... It's not perfect. It's not perfect. And yet I've never heard a man, unless they're a complete prick, you know, say something derogatory like about a woman's belly or, yeah, a, you yeah. know, or... or their loose skin or you and know I, I've got this mole on my back which I've had removed and it keeps coming back and I'm like do you know what it's gonna have mm. someone said to me oh yeah a woman <laughs> lovely a woman said to me mm. why don't you out and I said why don't you mind your own business you know exactly. she was really like didn't like my mole mm. I said so fuck off it's not malignant it's just sitting on my back minding its own business getting bigger yeah and bigger <laughs> you know so I think it. what we perceive of flaws as flaws are often actually very attractive yeah. you know like big fat belly or whatever like I'll think oh look how my belly like b- b- fucking b- wobbles as I jump yeah. up and down or whatever whereas a man I think yeah they fucking hell that's oh, sexy that, like, yeah, they do yeah. they love it I get more um, attention being bigger than when I was slim me too me too well different different attention different attention I I, I I'm sexually objectified no matter what because I've got big boobs and I think that is any woman with big big boobs will know. I mean, all women are sexually mm. objectified, yeah. but yeah. definitely with the big boobs, and because obviously they get bigger as you get bigger. Yeah. So uh, sorry, just we had a little toilet break in the middle of of that question. So I don't know what I last said, but I'm not even going to bother trying to make it flow. So, in terms of the podcast listeners, um, let me start that again, Tim. I've gone into like I need a coffee mode been here since 11 oh, this is the third thing because i've recorded an audio like i've started reading out my blogs it's like an audio book so i've done one of them and i've just done a i did a cervical cancer special with a charity and i'm doing this and i've got to that point of like so but i want to get these questions out because they're good ones um, so i think we've covered that question about the scarring so i think it is just about loving yourself mm-hmm. isn't it and mm. um but it was so interesting to hear your story. Oh. And are you are you fully like back to health now, Nick? Or are you? So yeah, I'm well. Um, the thing is, it's a, it's a bit hard because I'm always having to go back into the hospital. So like every three or four months, I got to go into the hospital. Ha- they have a look, and then if they see something, they take biopsies. So it's a continuous <sighs> journey. Mm. Like I'm just recovering from nine biopsies, Fucking and hell. I'm waiting for the results of that, which I'm sure will be fine. Because yeah. I think I know my body. I know mm. when I'm not well. Because mm. I spent so long being unwell before. There's certain signs and symptoms that you know. So, for instance, I was getting a lot of, like, um, bedtime flushes. Like, hot flushes at night. Nausea. Headache. Vomiting. Um, tight, like really lethargic. And I feel well. So... Mm. And it's next year will be 10 years I'm in remission. Wow. And they told me that I wasn't going to make it five years. Wow. That is amazing. Oh, I'm so glad you did make it. I made it. Oh, my. You made it. (laughs) And you've made such a difference to other people as a result of Mm. it. So, like, 
you know, yeah. like it's definitely gave you turned it into a positive. Yeah, yeah. it's definitely. you know, it's honestly, I truly believe that you're given whatever you're given mm -hmm. for a reason, mm -hmm. and it's always something will turn it into something positive. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's awesome. Um, right, the next question says, I don't know how to deal with my boyfriend. He is so jealous of my past and he can't deal with the fact that I've even had one. Long story short, I left photos on social media of my ex and he asked me to delete them a few times. But he's a hypocrite because he's been liking Facebook pictures of people that he slept with and he slept with a lot of people. I don't even care about his past, but his paranoia about mine is making me suspicious. He can't seem to get his head around the fact that I don't want my exes back. He's been going to counselling because he reacts really badly to things when it comes to my ex. He shuts me out, which can be for up to a week. And he says really nasty things, which then cause me to feel insecure and worried that he might not want me. Help. I'll just say, like, help yourself and get out of that yeah. situation. It's domestic abuse. Mm. Yeah. He might not be hitting you. He might not be doing anything physical, but mm -hmm. that does not mean it's not domestic violence. We call domestic violence violence because it is an attack on you it doesn't exactly. have to cause yeah. any physical injury it can be financial emotional sexual mm -hmm. and this is emotional and, and emotional is a lot mm, harder to that, deal yeah. with physical abuse because i've been in both situations mm. and i'm and like not saying that i like to be abused but if i could choose one it definitely wouldn't be emotional abuse mm. me too it's really damaging because it's very ambiguous sometimes it mm -hmm. starts and you know, they can, if they're good talkers, it yeah. can be kind of, you know, oh, well, if you love me and yeah. this kind of thing. But for you know, for us, it's a massive red mm -hmm. red flag. Yeah. That's the thin end of the wedge. Yeah. I mean, there's, e even the whole thing of shutting her out for a week. Yeah. That's abusive. Yeah, it's, it's very it's, manipulative it's, behavior. Yeah, the yeah, silent treatment yeah. is abuse. Oh. It's not a nice way to deal with a partner. Mm. Um, and and that is a huge red flag. If somebody mm. does that as a result of not liking what you're doing, oh, I'm not yeah. going to speak to you for a week. Yeah. That is abuse. And that is one sign that you need to get Gosh. out. Mm. But there are a lot of signs here that she needs to get out. The jealousy. Mm. Have you experienced jealousy about past exes and things like yeah. that? Yeah, I have. So um, somebody that I was seeing was saying, you know, like that they're... I shouldn't still have photos of me and my ex on my computer. And I'm like, well, that's a part of my history. And I'm not deleting those pictures. Like, I don't look at them and think, oh, mm. I want to be back with him. Mm. But those memories that are shared are my memories. So he might have been a part of that, but they're my memories. Mm. And I'm not deleting that for no one. So I've definitely been through the whole jealousy stuff. I've, I've been with somebody that swore that I was with somebody before and I wasn't even with them. Mm. I'm just friends with that person. Yeah. But in his mind, he's yeah. made up big scenarios of me fucking this person. And like, it's just crazy. So I think a lot of the times we think that we're insecure, but men have a massive amount of insecurities, <laughs> which lead to jealousy. Yeah, I yeah. agree. Jealousy is a really bad sign. And, and I think sometimes we take it as a compliment, especially yeah. in the early stages. You can be like, mm -hmm. oh, you know, it's really nice to have somebody who, you know, you take it as a compliment because you think that they're thinking that every man fancies you because you're so great. And, mm. you know, 
it, it comes often as a part of love bombing, which is what they do at the beginning. They're all really lovely at the beginning, abusive men, beautiful, brilliant, really intense. Mm-hmm. They start showing little signs of jealousy, but we like it because mm-hmm. it's better than all these other guys who haven't even shown that much interest in us. It's now one's like really into us. It's like, oh. um, but actually it's a very bad sign. You know, you the best partners are people who are very secure with themselves mm-hmm. and who love yeah. themselves and who don't give a fuck about what went on before and who aren't asking you about body counts or any of this they're just really in tune with themselves and they know that we all come with a past but this guy's obviously not like that um i i understand the whole social media thing and i think that if it was like you just had a really recent partner and you get into a new relationship and they haven't delete you know say i looked on someone's instagram and the first picture i see is a picture of him and a woman I would be reluctant to probably enter into into that. Mm, Um, But like you say, if it's just a memory that they're keeping on on their phone or whatever, then that's something different. Um, But even then, even if somebody has said to you, can you delete that picture? And they've said, actually, no. And they've given you a really reasonable explanation. You just leave it there. Mm. Nobody has any right to continue to try to control Mm. that situation. Um, I think that the fact that he says nasty things to her as well, that make her feel insecure. If she carries on with this, she's going to get into a situation where it's very hard to leave. Mm -hmm. It's very hard to leave. So I I think I spoke to her a bit about this. Um, That's why I don't get nothing done because every time anyone sends me a message, I'm like, well, I'll answer this on the podcast, but also it's an emergency. (laughs) I'm going to talk to you about it right now. You should have an emergency service and we'll just turn up in a little car, in a smart car. (laughs) (laughs) It would just come round. It would lie on... I'm here to tell you what to do. Um, she needs to, I told her that she needs to listen to my podcast with Women's Aid, if you haven't listened to that already. It's all about domestic violence and uh, listen to that and you can contact Women's Aid for advice. But I would say the best thing here is to end this mm. because it's good that he's getting counselling, but yeah. counselling does not stop somebody being an emotional abuser. Exactly. exactly. All right, good. They're both just sitting at me, nod- nodding. Yeah. <laughs> Nick's got her arms folding there. Like, yeah, I'm ready. Exactly. I'm ready to- <laughs> <laughs> right, we've only got two more questions left, so we'll get them done. The next one says, I'm in recovery from alcohol addiction. I'm currently eight months sober. On dates, I always have to explain why I don't drink, which always ends up with me rabbling on and giving way too much detail on my recovery. When people say, oh, one won't hurt, I feel like screaming and it puts me off them. What is the right amount to share? Should I really tell a date why I don't drink? Well, I, I've, I'm interested in this one as well because um, <clears throat> I've never had an issue with alcohol, but everything else I did. And, you know, so I feel that um, I am an oversharer and... Um, Especially in those situations, I was because I haven't been doing that recently. But I just have memories of um, going on dates and just literally talking about everything in my, say, my addiction, my addiction. They don't need to know mm. about, you know, my speed, crack, coke, you know, all ease, sex. You know, they don't need to know about all of my addictions in one go you know mm-hmm. and because um, it's a lot and also I think I get that about the alcohol thing about because people do say that but um, like with you know everyone everyone's addiction is different it doesn't matter what the substance is it's the, the, the for me it didn't matter that um everyone oh, yeah, a bit of weed's all right but the way I treated it it yeah. wasn't I was treating it like I would um it was coke or something and I was getting you know and I could feel 
that I was becoming reclusive and I could feel that it was triggering me and um, so yeah I, I feel that I don't think it's essential to get it all out in the first bit and I do feel as well you know like this I don't feel the need I don't feel you know why do you have to explain why you don't want to mm. or you just you know you just say I don't drink or I don't like it or I really am like kind of protective yeah. over things like that yeah. like this whole thing of and it is, it's disrespectful to say that, but people will say that, won't they? But they yeah. don't realise what's attached to just having one. It's not just one. It's yeah. Not just one. Oh, no, exactly. You know, but I do feel like you should have the right to kind of, I remember I went on a date with this prick and um, we went to this pub and he said, um, what do you want? I said, could I get a sparkling water with a bit of lime in it? And he was like, and he was going on. I went, I just don't want it. Mm. I don't want any booze. It's, I've got to be up really early tomorrow. And he was giving it. Oh, the one way you fit me. And I was like, oh, do you know what? Why are you like yeah. running me about this? And, and so now I'm kind of like, no, if you don't, like last night I went to a leaving thing and I just wanted a San Pellegrino and that was it. And I was getting it then. I'm like, yeah. no, because I just don't want to. It's just so, awful, I think, as well, the peer pressure, because yeah. it's like if someone's making the right choices for themselves, mm. what gives you the right to say to them, oh, go on, it's just one? Like yeah. They know what's yeah. right for yeah. themselves. Do yeah, you know what I mean? exactly. Mm. Right. I think it's really strange, isn't it? Because I think we've all heard that. Like, mm. I've never had an alcohol problem either. Mm. I don't even drink much, but I've definitely been in that situation where I've thought, gone to leave and drinks after work or something. I thought, I'm not going to have one because I'm yeah. driving. I've got to go and pick up my son. And they're like, oh, go on, come on. Yeah. Oh, lighten up. It's like, and, yeah. and you just think, fucking hell. Or, but it's the same with food or whatever. Oh, I don't want that mince yeah. pie or whatever. Oh, have a mince pie. Oh, fucking hell. It's oh, Christmas. <laughs> and you just think, fucking, is, what is wrong with people? That is my, I've got to say, so when true. I trained as a, like, nutri- done fat loss nutrition, I was like years ago talking about sugar being the bane of everyone's like addiction mm. you know i was a sh- i was an addict at a very young age i was soothed with sugar mm. do you know what i mean and i carried on but like i just never forget even in the fitness industry and um i remember someone talking about me behind my back whilst i was standing with my arms folded listening to him the bastard and saying oh, i don't know what natasha's doing with her brainwashing telling people not to do you know and i was like oh mm. you know and i remember going out on a works do i'll go on have a chip oh yes i don't want a bloody chip and it wasn't because i was being like pious or anything i was just i just don't want a chip mm. but i think that's where it comes from i think when you say no to something i think people it triggers something in them like mm-hmm. oh you're so self-righteous yeah. and actually people are probably thinking i don't want to eat that cake or i don't really want to get drunk tonight uh, but i'm doing it yeah and then you make them suddenly well, no. think about oh my i have the right to not do it exactly. or like exactly. she's controlling herself so and i'm gonna I'm, slag her off and like yeah. you know misery loves company and it's like and it's the same i like when i'm when i'm kind of on my back foot I like being with people on my back foot, you know, yeah. I like people that support my fuckery. Oh, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Oh, so, my God, yeah. But that, especially if you've had an alcohol or drug problem and everything, it's like you do get a bit like, fucking hell, you have no idea one is might kill me. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? One might be the yeah. one that sends me over the edge. But I do think it's for her, bless her, to say like, again, to be comfortable and own it and be like... Yeah, there's a lot of it's a stigma, isn't there, I suppose, for, you know, the term alcoholic, because obviously what AA teaches you and mm. NA and all of those things is that you you are, it's not that you, it's not like you have cancer and you recover from cancer and that's mm. it, you don't have cancer anymore. Once you're an alcoholic, you are always an alcoholic and you mm. have to, AA teaches you, you have to see yourself like that because otherwise you are very vulnerable to going yeah. back mm. to it. You are always going to be a recovering alcoholic. But I think it is, there is 
definitely stigma around it. And it's difficult because I think if I went on a date with a man and he said, I'm a recovering alcoholic or I'm a recovering crack mm. addict, heroin addict or whatever, I think that that would give me a lot to think about in terms of... Um, whether I wanted to have a, a, an ongoing relationship with that man, especially me as somebody who has not had those kind of serious addictions, I'd say my weed addiction, cigarette addiction, probably sex and love addiction, which I think I have dealt with, but I've gone anorexic. They call it kind of anorexia. Mm. So I think I've gone too far the other way now. Like, yeah, that's, um, yeah. th- I think most people who have addictions in, in one way or another, that they, they all cross each other and then you end up swapping. So I've mm. gone into like overeating now and then that, you know, there's OA. You can mm. go to over- yeah. overeat mm-hmm. is anonymous. Um, yeah. So I, so I think for me, I would need to think about that very carefully before opening up my life to somebody who had, an addiction problem as well not that I would totally cut them out but there is definitely kind of stigma around it and even somebody who's as open as me um I I would kind of struggle with that and so I would want to know early in those early dates mm. whether he had addiction problems I, I I think it's just I think that if like you're open to judgment if you disclose that in the first few days. Yeah, I think and I, and I think that that's really sad. That yeah. I, I'm, I've got a lot of addiction around me and some people have been able to come out of it mm. or to be able to be on the journey and they're doing really well and not relapse and others relapse yeah. all the time. Yeah. So, you know, it is important if you're getting to know somebody that, the journey that they're on but I feel like everyone's entitled to have their privacy and not to be judged straight away you know get to know someone a bit before you disclose I mean it's the same like with anything really and truly I'm not gonna Mm. go on a date and tell the guy well you know what I've got a massive appetite and I am going (laughs) to eat you out of fucking house and home make sure you got steak and do you know what I mean like I would never disclose that you know like who who would do that it's interesting we spoke about this on my mental health podcast um that I put out last week and we one of the questions was about do you diagnose um, do you disclose at what point do you disclose that you've got a mental health Mm. um issue like do you say it on the first day or whatever and and um anon and soraya who we're here anon has got borderline personality disorder soraya's got depression and anxiety and they both thought it's really important to talk about it on the first date because it is a part of you and you don't necessarily want it to be like a big reveal at any point and also that that person needs to know like from the off this is a huge part of me and I was like a bit like "Mm." yeah I totally agree with that Uh, but I also think you make yourself quite vulnerable if Mm -hmm. you start getting all your skeletons out the closet too early with Tony and my I am I, I spoke about it, having anxiety and being quite high functioning and, the, you know, the image I give off, like everyone when I say to people, yeah, I couldn't even get out of the house today or mm. or like my classes, I said, crisis, oh, thank God I made it. I'll say, because I was like a wreck for ages and they're like, no way. But when we went on our day, I did actually, well, now I sit here and think about it, I didn't sit there and go, oh, right, do you want to hear about it? You know, mm. I did actually say, yeah, because... I didn't say to him I have full-on anxiety and everything, but I did say to him, yeah, I struggle with, yeah. you know, I'm a gentle soul and um, the world is very harsh mm. and I have places that I escape to and now, you know, but, and then the funny thing is I've been able to help him with anxiety when it's come up, so, mm. you know, but I didn't, 
it's difficult. Yeah. It's difficult. I, th- I think oversharing, over is the, is the key word, isn't yeah. it? So you can share, I think, little bits mm. about who you are. But I think mm. first date should be fun. And so judging how the person is uh, Yeah, and, and I think, yeah, you should also make sure it's the right people. But I mm. think for her particularly with, with the... It's a very difficult one. I think that she's right is that she doesn't want to go rambling and giving away too much detail. Mm. I think she needs to plan a kind of like... I think she needs to think about this is what I'm going to say and this is what their response might be and this is what I'm going to say to that Mm. you don't owe anybody an explanation also you got to go there and look at this guy and think is this someone that I actually want in my life before you start disclosing your shit because you might not actually like this guy anyway so you've put all of this anxiety into like telling him who you are Mm. but you might be spend the evening with him and think fuck that Mm. I don't don't even (laughs) want to see him again exactly that's very true and also I suppose the way that they do react to you saying no I don't want one is very telling mm. maybe you know the Mr. Right from Mr. Wrong from the fact that you've said I don't want one and yeah. they've gone oh go on fuck yeah. off like yeah. that's he's already shown his true colours exactly. yeah. um, but I, you don't owe anybody any kind of explanation mm-hmm. we should all have the right to say I don't want something without mm. having to explain to somebody why we don't want it yeah and that should apply to anything. Everything, I don't want yeah. this leaflet you're about to hand me as I'm walking down the yeah. road. Don't ask me why. I just don't want it. Yeah. Um, so, and I think you should stand quite firm in that. Mm-hmm. You don't owe anybody an explanation. Plan what you're going to say. Mm. And actually also own it a little bit. So so maybe if you do feel comfortable with saying, I I can't handle my, or maybe say, I can't handle my drink. Because mm. that's true. Mm, don't necessarily yeah. need to explain in more yeah. the fact that you, know, <laughs> you can handle it, but not, you know, it ruins yeah. your entire life. Um, I can't handle my drink or... Mm. You know, but you don't owe anyone anything. And also speak to, I don't know if she's in AA, but speak to your sponsor. Mm. Find out, speak to other people at the meetings about how they deal with this. I'm sure it's something that comes up quite a lot. But there is nothing to be ashamed of. I think a lot of people suffer with addiction or survive addiction and don't um, talk about it, but it's very common. I I know so many addicts. Same here, but we're all addicts. We are. Like, Like you're an addict to the gym. I'm an addict to burgers or whatever. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like we. That's why it's important. Some of them yeah. is some of them is more destructive than mm, others. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But actually, they're all destructive, I think, in their own way, because then you become a slave to something. Mm. So even though like cigarettes seems like such a minor thing, even though it's incredibly mm. physically, physically damaging, but because it's so widely accepted, people don't talk about themselves as being cigarette addicts. Yeah. And you don't go to like CA, Cigarette yeah. Addict mm-hmm. Anonymous or whatever. Um, but actually, I was such a slave to it mm-hmm. and to weed as well, but such a slave to cigarettes that, that actually breaking that addiction feels like such a big thing but obviously i've been now now i'm eating like fucking crazy but also my brother made a good point the other day and he was like we are all addicted to our phones oh we yeah. are like we yeah. are all addicted that is to so it. true so we all have like when we talk about addiction and people that are addicted mm. it's almost like we're singling out the yeah. ones that have demonized yeah. Yeah. yeah do you get what i'm saying yeah. but actually we all have it it's just yeah the different vices that we go to. You're spot on. You're spot on. And and where somebody's at in the journey is, mm-hmm. is really important in terms of dating. Um, but yeah, so I hope that's helped her. Right, final question. Final question, which says, my friend is quite overweight and she constantly has a very bad odour down there. Other friends that have known her longer than me say that she has smelt like that since school. Why? It's honestly so bad. I want to help her and tell her, but I feel awful. How do I get the message across? 
First of all, I do want to say this. Being overweight has got absolutely nothing to do mm-hmm. with vaginal odour. Mm. Skinny, big, whatever, slim, in between. That That's... Mm. It's not related to cleanliness. Being overweight yes. is not related to cleanliness in any way, shape or form. Go on, go on. Well, how do we... How did she get this? This reminds me of a story when I was young. So... Um, I must have been about 12 or 13 and there was a girl in the estate and she smelt really bad and everybody was always talking. Not not in her vagina, we couldn't smell the vagina, but just like yeah. really bad body odour. And we, we really, as kids, we really wanted to help her, but we were spiteful at the same time yeah. because we didn't really think about her feelings. We was thinking about ours. We don't want to be around that smell. Mm. So what we done, we got a bar of soap. We stole it from the shop, a bar of soap. And then we wrote out instructions of how to wash yourself and we posted it to her. And even though it was one of the most horriblest things I ever did as a kid, she did get clean from it. Do you know what I mean? She she didn't use the soap and mirror and all that. Her mum and dad never gave her those skills in the first place. I don't even think it was a lot about skills because I think in like where where I grew up there was a lot of destruction and there was a lot of damage in the families and I don't think that the parents were actually taking real good care of the young people Mm. and there was a lot of neglect going on and I think it was that sort Mm. of situation but because we were young kids and we were getting neglected as well Mm. we weren't thinking of how is this person going to feel when we do that we could have took her to one side and said look babe you don't smell very nice but instead we just like we wanted to do the right thing but we did didn't have the mm. best intentions yeah do you get what it I'm was saying? like a jokey ha, 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 yeah thing. but we didn't realize how much it would hurt her feelings but yeah it like doesn't matter how you say to someone it's like if I, i'm talking to you and i say and i'm looking at a bogey and i don't want to mm. say to you got a bogey it's that same but sort i of want feeling. you to i really have i got bogey. I, no I you don't <laughs> Please, if you ever see him with a bogey, no, tell me. I, I did in the class. I actually stopped the class the other day and went, Amy, you got a bit of snotting. Like, she went, cheers, Dad. <laughs> but that's what I mean. Like, people, like, we welcome that. If yeah. I smell funny, yeah. I'd want you to say, Nick. Yeah. yeah. I, I want to be told. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. Wanna, I, would, I would say, I would say, I would speak to her. Mm. And I would. How do you start that conversation? Tell me. I, I think personally, I've had to, as a gym manager in the past, and... I had to go up to a man that was, I mean, my God. I mean, I didn't go up to him and say, your cock smells. <laughs> <laughs> he, um, and it weren't even that. It was just like he was wearing his garments and training hard mm. and dashing them in his bag and then just bringing them back. Mm. And I'm not joking, the whole gym knew when he was coming and my boss was like, right, you've got to go. And but oh, I, was, no. um, I was a young girl and I was a little rudy back in them days. So I think I went on to, I think initially I did like say, you know, there's a very, you know, members have complained about, you know, and he just went mad at me. I oh, know. Yeah. And um, and he went away and came back and, but he didn't stink. And then I, I had another it. person who started running. Every time he ran on the treadmill, he had really mashed down trainers on and they stank to high heaven. And it was like... To the point where they were covering their faces, and my boss ended up speaking to him, and mm. um, we actually gave him some trainers Aww. out of lost property, and you know, and that was all sorted. But I think from woman to woman, 
you know, like I said, you know, like sometimes in spinning, in mm. spinning classes, if I'm like in the old days, I remember I had classes of about 40 odds and I'd be strapping their feet up yeah, and it would be like half oh, six, seven o'clock and some certain women are coming back from town and, you know, and I'd be down by their feet and I'd think, oh, you know, what's going on? But I didn't want to like say mm. to all the women, this side of the room, can you go and have a quick shower and get your tights off? <laughs> But it was, I think if it was um, a friend, uh, without a doubt, I would yes. go up it's and so I would, hard though, isn't it? I would but word yeah. it and I would be the, you know, I've had to have many, many conversations, maybe hold their hands and say, listen, mm. I would want someone to tell me this yes. or my daughter yeah. or someone kind. Yeah. Cause I, and say you, it like that. I yeah, love you and you I are beautiful, you. but. But you know what I'd say as well? BV. Yeah. BV. I was going to say that. And BV. What kind of odour is it? Is well, the thing is with BV, because my mate gets an allergic reaction to certain water like the alkaline in water and she was away and mm. um the water when she was in new york and just absolutely she said it was just terrific she woke up one morning with like her the person she took with her and she goes it was just awful mm, in no. every and then my other friend has an allergic reaction to her partner's sperm and it is like yeah the minute it happens she goes it is vile and she says nothing wrong with her you know she has to take all this medication yeah. And so BV is really horrible. BV is bacterial vaginosis. Mm. It's not a sexually transmitted no. infection. And it's nothing to do with hygiene. Women either. can make it themselves from using too much perfumed soap or, yeah. as you say, alkaline or sometimes yeah. sperm can. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's basically when the bacteria in your vagina is disrupted yeah. and the symptoms of, of BV are like a watery or grey discharge and a very strong fishy smell yeah. so if anyone ever says fishy fanny that's not fannies are not supposed to smell fishy, fishy yeah. that is a, a vagina with bv or yeah. potentially another infection um and yeah but also maybe she must be able to smell it herself because i mean well, i i can smell myself oh, if, yeah, I, if i smell i can smell. oh yeah without a shadow of a doubt you but, can smell yourself mm -hmm. but maybe if she's been like that since school she doesn't know and maybe if you don't know any different maybe you just well, think well that's what it smells like can i just say as well when i was growing up i was I'm living abroad in a different culture and um it was commonplace to put soap and Dettol inside oh. in a douche and, oh and rinse out. And, um, and that is, when I came back, I always used to douche like that. And mm. um, I never had BV. I've never, I had never had BV. And then one day I went for um, about hormone testing for menopause and that. And he said to me, do you, have you lived in a, um, a Caribbean country or an African country? And I said, yeah, I did. And he said, did you douche? And I said, yeah, I used to, you know. And he said, because really high up, there's traces of BV. He goes, but like, there's no odour. And I said, I've never had mm. any odour from it. He goes, but you need to stop. And from that day, I stopped mm. doing it. But it was something I was conditioned to do. Yeah. And it can cause BV if it you're can. being overly zealous you with do the soap. Not, no, the, no cleaning is required yeah. inside the I'd, vagina. Yeah. The vagina takes care of itself. It really does. You will much likely cause more problems for I yourself did. if you try and clean inside. Of mm -hmm. course, you have to keep yourself clean with water. You was really judged when I was younger. If you did, like, the, you know, in the, yeah. in the Caribbean, really it was really like... I've had men try and, you know, stick a bar of soap in me. Wow. Oh I mean, it's just likely to dis disrupt your yeah. pH. I mean, yeah, I, th I think it's... Um, you could come from that angle. I feel really sorry for this girl because, yeah. you know, obviously there's friends talking about it. Mm -hmm. People know, I've had it since school. Can you yeah. smell ever dry? You know, mm. um, but somebody has to tell her. I worked mm. with somebody who had really bad breath. It was, I don't know if you recognise that smell where it's it smells like some meat 
yeah. got caught in the teeth yeah. five years ago, right at the back, like, <laughs> and it's still there, like, yeah. yeah. Oh, you know. And this woman, I mean, you mm. could be sitting five banks, five desks away from her, and she would be chatting to someone, and you could smell it, like, it was so yeah. strong. And I actually went to a manager. I was like, I can't. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. But I can't bear it. And mm. it, you know, she talked to me, and I. Yeah, I'd be backing away. Um, and I think a manager said something to her, but it never changed. It never changed. And and I think you can only tell someone once, I guess. Yeah. I don't think you can. You can't keep going back and saying, no. any thoughts about that, Georgie? But I think you're right. You need to just say it with kindness. Yeah, and be cool to be kind. Mm. I like whenever I'm going to say anything or do anything like that, I'll have to have a few minutes with myself, just check that I'm coming from the right place. Mm. Make sure that, you know, it's for her best interest and also yeah. come from the BV thing and say, look, I'm just worried that I'm yeah. sure I'm sure if you word it really gently and you know yeah. it yeah. should be cool. Yeah. Kindness, that is the most mm-hmm. important thing. And on that note, we have reached the end. Wow. Um oh, I love you too. Thank you for both we coming love you. along. Thank you. And you um thanks and i really hope that people enjoy listening to this as much as i've enjoyed recording it you both speak so much sense and i think it's so powerful for women to be able to share their stories and to hear other women speaking i think it gives us all so much strength to just to know that we're in this together and Mm. that we all have our issues and we all have our flaws and our imperfections but actually we are all beautifully perfect um so i really i appreciate you too massively um so yeah bye see you later Bye. bye bye